Good morning. Welcome to Life Point Community Church. Are you glad to be here this morning? Yes, I am glad to see each and every one of your beautiful smiling or almost smiling faces. Um, for those of you that may not know me, my name is Matthew Robertson. I am the associate pastor here at Life Point Community Church. And uh, <laughs> thank you. And uh, I, I don't get a chance to get up here and, and, and preach very often. Um, and quite frankly, public speaking still terrifies me. So I'm nervous up here. And uh, so I'm just going to picture you guys all in your underwear. I hope that's okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not really going to do that. But you are all wearing clown noses, okay? Just kind of kind of like Congress, really. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I do want to thank you guys for being here this morning. We are, we are studying in, in the Beatitudes, uh, which is just an amazing, amazing series of commands given by... Jesus. I heard a pastor one time say that the Beatitudes are simply what your attitude ought to be. And if you follow those commandments, you will live a happy life. I think that's pretty much true. I want to introduce you to something this morning. It, it, there may even be a better word for it, but I couldn't find one, so uh, I'm just going to stick with it. I want to introduce you to, the, to a concept called dualities. In Christmas life, in Christian life, Christmas life. I've got Christmas on the brain already. They've got Christmas decorations up in the stores for crying out loud. It's craziness. I want to introduce you to the concept of dualities in Christian life. Two ideas that are connected that in our human way of looking at things don't seem like they ought to be connected for some reason or another. Whether you're a brand new Christian or whether you've been walking with Christ for 50 years, you are going to run face first into this concept at some point. Let me give you an example. 1 Peter 3 and 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. In other words, if, if you don't treat your wife well, your prayer life is going to suffer. Okay, so where's the duality? In this case, it's an opposite. If your prayer life is not what it ought to be, your relationship with your wife is going to suffer. It's going to be hindered. Here's another example. Hebrews 13 and 14. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Can I get an amen? Sometimes it seems like it's just right around the corner, doesn't it? See, we know that this world is, is not our home, yet we're called upon to live here until Jesus takes us to our real home. So how do you, how do, you do that? How do you share the love of Christ with a world that denigrates and, and despises the very things that we cherish. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that that is exactly what the Beatitudes are all about. See, it's all about relationships. It's about our, our relationship with God, uh, we, uh, uh, with other Christian believers, and, and, and with the rest of the world. It's about understanding ourselves. 
our motivations, our ambitions, our, our, our way of interacting with God and with each other so that we can have the best life possible here on earth and all the blessings of eternal life with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ forevermore. We'll talk more about that later. But first, our scripture for today, which should come as a surprise to absolutely nobody, comes from the book of Matthew, which is the best book in the Bible, by the way. I'm, I'm just saying. <clears throat> anyway, Matthew 5.5. 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Ooh, meek. <clears throat> we don't like that word a lot. What's the first thought that comes to your mind when you hear the word meek? Well, I check with the all-knowing thesaurus. And here are just a few of the synonyms for meek. Weak, submissive, passive, unambitious, unaspiring, quiet, tame, shy, timid, reserved, humble, plain, unimposing, unobtrusive, and unpresuming. In high school, we'd call that being a wimp. And nobody wants to be thought of as a wimp. See, especially in, in, in America, we all, we all want to be John Wayne. You know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Get back on that horse again. Captains of our own destiny. See, even a captain listens to his engineer when he says the ship is in danger. And by the way, that was gentle Jesus, meek and mild, flipping over the tables in the temple. Just in case you're wondering. As we're going to see in a few minutes, the concept of meekness has been watered down over the centuries to mean something very, very different from what it was originally intended. To quote Inigo Montoya, I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> so we're going back to the idea of dualities. Again, we're going to talk about a very, very, very old Hebrew word called anava. And the biblical concept of anav, um, meek, uh, let me go this way. It's interesting to me that humble or anava is one of the synonyms for meek or ana because in the Hebrew language, both words derive from the same root word, anav. Anav denotes depending on God due to spiritual orientation rather than external factors. In other words, it's a choice. Relying on God to supply our needs is always a choice that we make. And whether we act humbly or meekly is completely our choice. Don't those words mean the same thing? Not really, although they're very closely related. They come from the same root word, and they're sometimes used interchangeably. But there are subtle differences between the two. You have to remember that. Although his commands certainly apply to us in the Beatitudes, Jesus is primarily preaching to the Jewish nation at this point. And therefore, he uses words and phrases that the Jewish population would immediately identify with. 
and be able to grab hold of the concepts in our growth group classes, which you really should come to Sunday mornings, 10 o'clock, right here. A lot of our lessons go into great, great detail about the everyday Jewish life and customs of the day. And one of the things that the Jewish culture prized very, very highly was being humble. See, in the Old Testament, anava, or humility, is strongly associated with the fear of the Lord throughout the Old Testament. And it's seen as something that comes from wisdom and leads to honor. In other words, the things in the Beatitudes are meant to give us wisdom and honor. Proverbs 15.33 says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Proverbs 18.12 says, Before destruction of the heart, a man is, hearty, is haughty, and before honor comes humility. And then Proverbs 22.4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Life. Prophet Micah gives us a clear picture of God's expectations for his people. He says, uh, this is in Micah 6.6, 6, by the way. He says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? So the word translated humbly here is different. It's tisana, not anava, but it's the same concept. And in... Uh, uh, Zephaniah 2 and 3 were shown that humility is something that we should actively desire and seek out. He said, seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice. Seek righteousness and humility. So if, if, if humility should define our interactions with God, what then is meekness? Meekness is how we interact with each other here on earth. Do we act out of kindness or do we act out of spite? Do we, do we turn the other cheek or, or do we go for revenge? It's human nature to be selfish, to, to, to look out for number one. Meekness calls us to put others first, to be considerate and to look after their needs. The Bible has um, just a couple of verses about how we should interact with our neighbors. Just one or two. Colossians 4 and 6 says, Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Philippians 2 and 4 says, Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. James 1, 19 says, Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. See, both humility and, and, and meekness, they require a degree of self-denial, a desire to put someone else's needs or ideas ahead of our own wants or desires. 
It's, it's a willingness to admit that someone else's plan may actually be better than our own. Does this mean you should just become a doormat? Just let people walk all over you? No, of course not. <clears throat> when someone proposes something that's in direct opposition to the word of God, we have the responsibility to do something about it. That's what Jesus was doing when he knocked over those, uh, those tables in the temple. He was standing up for the word of God. See, it's all about balance. It's all about balance, about knowing who God is, who you are to him, and your place in the world. There's a devotional on uversionbible.com that says, the Hebrew word uh, anava is what we translate as humility, but the literal definition of anava is to occupy your God-given space in the world, not to overestimate yourself or your abilities, nor to underestimate them either. See, why is this concept so important? If, if we misunderstand the concept of humility, we misunderstand God and how he wants us to view ourselves and how in our relationship with him and the world all around us. It's so important. Jewish tradition teaches that humility and meekness should lead to joy, to courage and, and wisdom. It's, it's not about thinking less of ourselves, but rather seeing ourselves in our proper place in the world clearly. It's all about balance. There's a, there's a Hasidic teaching that says every person should have two pockets. In one pocket should be a piece of paper saying, I am but dust and ashes. And when one is feeling too proud, he should reach into this pocket, take out this piece of paper, and read it. In the other pocket should be a piece of paper saying, for my sake was the world created. And when you're feeling disheartened and lowly, reach into this pocket and take this piece of paper out and read it. It goes on to say, we are the joining of two worlds. We are fashioned from clay, but our spirit is the breath of Adonai. See, the grass will wither and the flowers will fall, but the word of our God will last forever. We are dust and ashes. We're grass that flowers one day and is thrown into the furnace the next, and we are the joint heirs to the kingdom of heaven along with Jesus Christ. Which is going to bring us to the second half of our verse for today. For they will inherit the earth. Mm -hmm. So one of the interesting things about the Beatitudes is, is that none of the idea that Jesus presents and the Beatitudes were new ideas. They were all things that the Jewish people had heard, or rather should have heard before. Even in New Testament times, there, there weren't many people outside the very rich and the church leaders who could read and write. Therefore, the people depended upon the church leaders to interpret the scriptures for them. And as Jesus pointed out once or twice, the... Uh, Church leaders were not doing a very admirable job 
of doing it. The idea of, of the meek inheriting the earth can actually be found in numerous places in the Old Testament, particularly the book of Psalms. Psalm 37:11 says, but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Psalm 37, 9 says, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. It continues on in Isaiah says, uh, 60, verse 21, says, Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. And it continues all the way through to the book of Revelation, Revelation 5.10. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So what does that mean, though? What, 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 what does inherit the earth actually mean? Well, in keeping with, our, keeping with our theme of dualities here, there are actually two possible interpretations for it. The first is that by acting meekly and by showing reverence for others that you will avoid conflict with your neighbors. Always a good thing to do. And live in peace. And if you show reverence for God by keeping his commands, he will supply you with all your needs so that you can live life to your full potential while you're here on earth. And the second idea is that if you act meekly and humbly, your reward in heaven will be great when Jesus establishes his kingdom here on earth. You will indeed inherit all that this earth has to offer. So which one is correct? Both of them. Both of them, of course. I think it's supported by the fact that all the quotes from the Old Testament are clearly talking about life on this earth. Clearly. While the New Testament quotes all seem to be talking about the kingdom yet to come. So which one is Jesus talking about in Matthew 5, 5? It's kind of not clear either way. So can I just tell you what I think? I think he was talking about both. Jesus is the bridge. He's, he's the connecting point between the Old Testament and, and the New Testament. He's the bridge that links the separation of man from God because of man's sinful ways and the redemptive salvation of God's forgiveness and never-ending grace. He's not talking about a single moment in time, but all time from the very, very beginning all the way to the very end. And like all great truths in the Bible, these principles work. They work no matter where your lifespan falls in the span of God's timeline. The 2,000 years ago or in 2023, these principles work. These truths bear tangible, real fruit. Yeah, I think he was talking about both this earth and the one to come. All of which brings us back to the original question, how do you share the love of Christ with a world that denigrates and despises the very things that we cherish? First, be humble and reverent before God. Pray. 
Read your scriptures. Go to church. Get involved in a small group. Spend some time with Jesus. Get to know who he is and what your proper role is and how you can better fulfill your place in his kingdom. Second, be meek and show kindness to others and be willing to put others' needs before your own. My piece of advice, start small. <clears throat> See, we have this tendency to think that the best way to show Jesus to others is in some grand gesture. We like these big, big celebrations, these big moves. That's why we have all these superhero movies with all these blockbuster endings and things like that. The older I get, the more I realize that life is made of little slices. The big events, the graduations, the weddings, they're, they're, they're nice, but it's the little slices of life that mean the most to me. It's like Dwayne and Donna. I, too, had a uh, sermon illustration laid at my feet last week. Um, ours was not nearly so dramatic, but it does illustrate meekness really, really nicely. I want to show you a picture. Uh huh. This uh, this is our dog Tessa. Tessa is a rescue dog whom we got from some foster dog parents. She's um she she's a bit of an oddball. Uh, she's she's either obstinate or a complete chicken. There is no in between. She's either one or the other. Fireworks are now our natural enemy and she will run in a blind panic, not to us in safety, but away from the noise, any noise. Our only mistake with Tessa was not naming her Houdini because she is truly the master of escape. She has escaped our backyard more times than I can count. I have spent countless hours and money escape proofing our backyard only to be foiled again and again. It's gotten to the point where I have mounted a trail camera in our yard to try to see how she's getting out. <laughs> if you look real closely, down here at the bottom, that little blue thing that looks like a life preserver, that's actually a GPS <laughs> coordinate. We can track her with our phone within 50 or 60 feet of her position. So at least we know we're in the right neighborhood when we go to find her. Uh, and I, I tell you all this to let you know that, that, that I have some measure of sympathy for people who are good dog owners whose pets still manage to get loose. Well, the other evening my wife was out walking through the neighborhood and a lady, uh, a lady in a very slow-moving SUV pulled up next to my wife. She had three very, very small children in car seats in the car with her, and uh, they were looking for their dog, which had somehow gotten out of their backyard. Well, the lady drove off, and not 20 minutes later, my wife noticed that a strange dog was all of a sudden following her and coming closer. It was indeed the missing dog. It, uh, it followed her home, and Cindy tied it up to a tree in the front yard, hoping that the lady would drive back by and, uh, and see it. Well, by now it was getting dark, so we put the dog in the backyard, 
knowing that the lady wasn't going to be able to see the uh, dog in the backyard, I took off in search of the woman. Now it's 8.45 at night. I'm driving around looking for someone who's driving around looking for a lost dog. Well, I came back home, and, and not knowing what else to do, we posted pictures of the dog on, on a couple of websites, and uh, lost dog websites, and, and we just kind of hoped that she would see them. Our dog was not happy about the situation. Uh, she was not happy to have a house guest, especially one that would eat her food. Uh, so my wife took our dog upstairs to our bedroom for the night, and I stayed downstairs with the guest dog so that she wouldn't be alone. And I slept with one eye open because we weren't sure if she was housebroken or not. She was not. Yeah. So the next morning, uh, I put her in the backyard when I went to work. And Cindy texted me about 6.30 in the morning to tell me that the lady had seen the pictures online and said, you found my dog. And she would come get the dog before Cindy went to work. The lady's children had been frantic, worrying about the dog. And she was able to tell them that the dog had been safe and well cared for all night and was coming home. Cindy and I both knew exactly what that family was going through. The first time Tessa got out, she was gone for 28 hours. We worried the entire time. And you may be thinking to yourself, you may be thinking, it's just a dog, what's the big deal? Tell that to those little children who were so frantic about their missing dog. See, to us, it was a small thing, the kind of thing you would hope anybody would do. To them, it was everything. It was everything. It cost us, what, a handful of dog food and a sort of semi-sleepless night. What it gave to that other family was priceless. Little slices. It doesn't have to be anything big. It doesn't have to be a grand gesture little slices and when I picture when I picture meekness and I picture humility I picture what Dwayne always talks about in church I picture one hand reaching out to God and one hand reaching out to the people around us I picture one hand reaching to someone that we can learn from and your other hand reaching out to someone that you can teach because you've got something to share something that someone else needs to hear that's what it's all about. That's what the Beatitudes are all about, how to have your best life while you're here and all the blessings of spiritual life afterwards. So God's given each one of us gifts to use, used to make our lives better and to help make other lives better. And he's also given us weaknesses and trials that, that, are, that are intended to humble us and, and, and make us understand that we depend on him. We need to continue to focus on occupying all the space that God has created for us, not only in this world, but in the world to come. Make the best use of all the gifts he's given to us, of every opportunity he puts our way, of everything that there is to learn. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. We just thank you for this time together. We thank you for this beautiful day. 
Lord, we just pray that you would help us incorporate the things that we've learned today. Help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to reach out and show kindness and love and mercy to someone else today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody, you are now dismissed.